Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Commercial's easy. They have multi-year leases once you get them in. and There's problems every now and then, but it's definitely a lot less hand-holding than the apartment side of tenants and turning them out every 12 months or just it's definitely different welcome to the best ever show the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff hello best ever listeners welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show i'm ash patel and i'm with today's guest david tupin david is joining us from austin texas he is the owner of real estate lab and Tupin Holdings. David's portfolio consists of $140 million of multifamily and commercial assets in Austin and Michigan. David, thank you for joining us and how are you today? I'm doing wonderful, Ash. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. David, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, absolutely. I got hooked in multifamily back in 2016. I was in college Bought my first property. It was a 12-unit apartment complex. I had no money. I didn't really have any equity connections, but I somehow scraped together a couple investors and bought this little 12-unit deal back in Michigan. And that was the start. And I'd say the rest is history. Over the last seven years, I've bought about 1,400 apartments, several self-storage facilities, some commercial mixed-use properties. And then I also, two years ago, started a software company, which is commercial real estate underwriting and asset management. David, the 12-unit apartment complex that you bought, was that in a college town? It was not. It was just a C-class neighborhood in the suburbs of Detroit. I was going to say that would have been pretty cool if you lived in your own apartment complex in college, but awesome. <laughs> so actually, did, yeah. And the next how, one. How did you find those investors? Mostly meetups, meetups, networking. My first investors were small business owners or other local real estate investors, people that flipped houses, stuff like that. They had 25, 50K to throw into a deal. You had the real estate bug while you were in college. If you're going to meetups and looking for C-class apartment buildings, is that right? Yeah, for sure. Okay. And it never left? No, never. I've still got it. Addicted. Well, let's dive into the numbers on that one. 12 units, what was the purchase price? It was around 550, 560. 
C-Class, did you self-manage that while you were in school? I did self-manage it, yes. What were some of your biggest issues with managing that property? Well, it was interesting. The tenants on that one were pretty tough. So getting tenants out, I'd evict a couple. My biggest single problem with that property was I didn't raise enough money for the renovations. My renovation budget was $50,000 and I probably needed 100000 to renovate some of the units. So this is back when I was getting units renovated for four or 5000 a unit, which now would be great if we could still do that. So that was part of my problem. So the acquisition fee that I charged to the deal, I think it was the first big check I'd ever gotten. It was maybe $20,000. I put it right back into the deal to pay for the renovation. So I had some money for a minute, went back to being broke, and eventually turned the thing around. It took about a year and a half, and I sold it for seven fifty. put like fifty into it and sold it for seven fifty. So we did pretty good. We got investors a good return. and returned Not enough to drop out of college. Not enough to drop out of college. That was the next deal that did it. (laughs) And did you end up dropping out? Not officially, no, but I skipped class and ended up just passing with C's and D's while I was building my business. I got you. What did you do to make up for the shortfall in the CapEx money that you needed? Did you just figure it out or did you actually raise more money for it? Well, no. So I took my acquisition fee that I earned and I put it right back into the deal. So that 20000 or so, that definitely helped renovate a couple more units. And then I don't think I ended up renovating all 12 units. I think I got through like seven or eight of them. And then I actually did some work myself, painted a couple units on turn. I installed the signage myself on site, stuff like that to just save some money. So I definitely went a little bit more hands-on just to help the project uh, save some money and make sure we hit our numbers. Did you pay your buddies to help you with some of the tasks? No, I did not, no. I fortunately had a leasing agent though, so I didn't have to deal with the leasing side of things, but I had contractors that we hired to do some work and the rest was the contractors did most of it and I did a little bit of it. David, in your bio, it reads you have multifamily and commercial assets. What do you have for commercial? Yeah, I have a couple mixed use buildings up in Michigan, which have multifamily and retail. And then I have one retail, it's kind of like a strip center with three commercial tenants in it. And that was kind of a cool project. It was a warehouse. I completely stripped it down, took the whole front of the building off, replaced it with a brand new storefront, windows and everything, and placed three commercial tenants in the project. That warehouse, are they retail tenants or are they more flex space tenants? We have a salon as one. That's the small space, a thousand square feet. There is a immersive art gallery in another that takes up about 4,600 square feet. And then the last 3,500 square feet is an F45. And it's actually really interesting. Yeah, it it worked out well for a while, but we just heard that this group that brought this F45 to our space, they actually opened up 40 locations without having the funding to do so. Ours happened to be one of them. So a little bit of a horror story we're going through right now. We just built out this space. They've paid us rent for six months. They stopped paying rent last month. And now they just told us that they're having to vacate their lease because this private equity group was setting up franchises without having the financial backing to do so. So they're making us an offer to buy out of their lease right now. We're we're negotiating that. So I do like commercial, but it has different challenges, right, than apartments do. It's interesting. 
Well, let's dive into that. Maybe I can help you. Sure. So yeah. F45, by the way, is that Mark Wahlberg's franchise? His name's he's on that? He's affiliated in some way. I'm not yeah. sure if he still is, but I know he's invested. He was invested in it, yeah. Yeah, at least for a minute, he was the face. He was, yeah, and then he took his back. face off when I think stuff started going down. <laughs> okay, so you signed a lease, and I'm sure it was very promising because this was not a mom-and-pop operation. This was somebody opening a lot of locations. Did you pay them any money for tenant improvement? Oh, yeah. Almost 300000 Okay, so that's money you gave to them up front. Yeah, we spent about 300000 building out the space, and then we gave them 30000 or so in tenant improvement. So we spent a little over 300000 in total preparing the space for them. Okay. Was it a corporate guarantee behind this or a personal guarantee? There is a corporate guarantee. Yes. It's not by F45, right? It's a franchisee who has a bunch of different locations. Really what I'm getting at is you only have leverage if the franchisee doesn't declare bankruptcy, right? Exactly. Yeah. If all of their businesses are failing or just never open or they're over leveraged, it's easy for them to say, okay, we screwed up. Let's shut this down. But if they have a lot of capital invested, It's not as easy to just say, okay, everybody, I screwed up. I'm going to back up out of here and we're declaring bankruptcy. So do you know what kind of leverage they have? What kind of assets are under that corporation? Yeah, it's really interesting you bring that because that's what the discussion was when the equity group backing the franchisee came to us. They completely replaced all management at this franchisee group. They came to us and basically said, here's the situation. We're just here to help clean this up. We'll offer you six months rent. But if all these locations that they set up that are failing start suing us, we're going to have to file bankruptcy. So we'll pay you something to get out of this lease, but we can't pay you the five years remaining on the lease. So exactly what you're saying is what's happening. I think they do have substantial assets, and I don't think he's bluffing on that. So our goal is let's get the most out of them as possible. Let's move on, try to release it. Because if we end up in a lawsuit over it, I'm probably not going to see any money and it's going to take two years and I'm going to have to spend money to do that. How much is six months of rent? 7,000. So that's like 48, 50,000. So you're going to lose roughly $250,000 out of that $300,000 build out. How much of it can be applied to another tenant? I would say a decent amount. It's really nice built out and it's kind of a blank canvas if they take their stuff out of there. So... Yeah, I would say if we can give them the settle for 100000 I think we can pretty easily go and get somebody else set up with some TI dollars on a new lease. Is it set up for a fitness facility or can it be retail, anything? It could be anything. It would need just a change of use, but I don't think it'd be an issue with the city. Will you be able to get $7,000 a month from a tenant? Yeah, they gave us a pretty high rate. I think we'll get close to that. I think we'll okay. get maybe 6000 a month, yeah. Yeah. And for the best ever listeners, they gave you a higher rate because they're a national company. You're giving them a lot of tenant improvement money. So their high lease payment was a way of paying that back, right? Unfortunately, you did everything right in this situation other than look at the company's books, which they probably wouldn't have showed you. But this is happening quite a bit with franchised fitness centers. People saw the success of Orange Theory curve fitness back in the day one by one a lot of these other gyms or fitness places started popping up 
hoping to capitalize on that. And that's not really working out the way they planned. My advice to you is if they're offering you a settlement, they have a lot to lose because if they signed 40 leases and they're willing to offer each person six months, something's off. They do have a lot to lose. They have over a hundred other franchises, which a lot of them are profitable and they want to keep those. So they're trying to get these off their books and then go back and focus on the ones that are working. But I think you're right. Under the same corporate umbrella yes. where they signed ad. There's an entity that signed the lease, which is a specific single purpose entity for this location. But we have a guarantee by the corporate company, not to be named, but the corporation that is backing all these. We do have a guarantee by them, which is good. Yeah. You got to do some CSI legwork, find out what that corporation owns. And they've already showed their cards. If they're willing to give you six months worth of rent, you can get a lot more. I think so. Yeah. We've had national tenants sign a lease and literally two, two and a half years later, they've never done any build outs. It's one of those companies that was just expanding very, very quickly, but they've paid rent every month a giant company that overexpanded. And the only clue I'll give you, and I'll tell you this offline, but it was funded by Chinese SoftBank. It's the Uh, same people that fund WeWork, but it wasn't WeWork. Nonetheless, we knew this was coming. They're paying rent at these strip centers all over the country for over two years and not doing any build outs. Mm. And they're really not even opening that many locations. They put the cart before the horse. And they offered us a buyout, which we were able to negotiate because we had the parent company as the guarantor and they had no leverage. That's the same thing you're dealing with, right? I think Um, so. That's what we need to figure out, right? Is that guarantor the true parent company? I asked to see their financials because per our lease, we can see them. So that's my next step. Yeah. You need to get a lawyer involved unless you've done this a lot on your own before. But again, It would have been much easier for an SPV, a single purpose vehicle that was specifically set up just for this location with no guarantees to say, hey, sorry, things didn't work out. We're shutting down. We're bowing out of this lease. And if you want, make it official. We'll just declare bankruptcy. They didn't do that, right? Correct. So I think you are in a great place to recover a lot of your $300,000. I really hope so. We're going to counter them right around 300000 and then see what they say. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Deciding how to invest your capital is more challenging than ever. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company with a solid track record and that has thrived through various economic cycles. Companies like BAM Capital. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator that has delivered a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital's never missed a preferred payment, never lost an LP's investment, and never called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital is currently raising capital for a fund designed for accredited investors, targeting a 15 to 20% IRR and a 2 to 2.5x equity multiple to its investors over a three to five year hold period. If you're an accredited investor and you want to learn more about multifamily investment opportunities with BAM Capital, Visit capital.thebamcompanies.com. Again, that's capital.thebamcompanies.com. David, here's where I would settle is you just want their lease to be made whole. 
And what that means is they were going to pay, let's say, $7,000 on average. Over how many years lease was it? Five? Yeah, so 7000 times 60 months, 420000 Okay. And they so, paid sixty so far. So. Yeah. I can tell you, you're not going to get the other $360,000, right? Yeah. However, the way that you should pursue this is have them allow you to find another tenant in the meantime, right? Say, I'll let you out of your obligation or I'll, I'll reduce your risk, but let's get another tenant into this facility. You are responsible for the difference of the 7000 versus what this new tenant is paying. And you're still on the hook. So if this tenant leaves in two years, you still have two and a half years remaining that you're responsible for. We'll go through the same exercise. We'll both collectively find the next tenant. We'll do our best to get him in there. But ultimately, you're on the hook unless things at some point are looking good and you just accept a final buyout because they want this off their books. Yeah, I think they want it off their books is what they're framing it as. Oh, they definitely do. Yeah, they definitely do. But I'm not taking six months. So you just kind of figure out what their tolerance is and who has the leverage. Correct. But I think they showed their cards, so I think you're in great shape. So we went down a pretty cool rabbit hole. I'm hoping this was a good learning experience for you as well as our best ever listeners. Yeah, I think so. so. Do you do a lot of commercial real estate? Is that your thing? I do. I do office, industrial, retail, mixed use, ground up development. And we self-manage just about everything we own as well. So we deal with these situations when they come up. Yeah. Now, are you jaded on retail because of this situation? No, it's just business to me. We're in a good position and I love that property. It's in a market I love. It's on a great street, a great location. I would do it again, but I'm more particular about where I'll do commercial to multifamily. It's got to be in a really good location for me, somewhere where I want to hold it long term. Yeah, and that's incredible. You took a warehouse, turned it into nice retail space. Obviously, it's nice if you're putting $300,000 into just one unit, right? Yeah. Where did you get the idea? into the whole building and it's only 10,000 square feet. So we, we made it really nice. That's insane. Where did you come up with that idea to do that? Well, it was an old furniture store and it just is a really nice downtown property. It's in a walkable location. It's in a city called Ferndale, Michigan. And my business partner, we just JV'd the deal and just got a really good eye for those kind of things. And he was like, let's reface it. Because our plan in 10 years, because it's in this central business district, is we can actually build up to 70 feet high on that site. So eventually we're going to hopefully acquire some land next door to us and build up on it. I would imagine there's a fair number of parking spots that go with that as well. Yeah, well, the city just built a $28 million mixed-use parking deck right next door to us. So Good. we've got 400 parking spaces right next to us right now, which is great. So. And this is what justifies having over $200 per foot into this building. Correct. What a great move. Yeah. Mixed use. I am a huge fan of sharing this advice with our best ever listeners, which is if you have done all residential historically, look at a mixed use building as a segue into commercial. And it's because often the apartments will pay for all your expenses or vice versa. Somebody like me that has a mixed use building, I don't want to deal with the apartments. I'll get the commercial rented out, right? Apartments are an afterthought to me, but 
often the commercial will then pay for all the expenses and the apartments are just profit. Has that been your experience as well? Yeah, I think so. The other commercial building I have, which is right across the street from this one, it has only two commercial spaces, a couple thousand square feet, and then it has 12 apartments. And that one's been pretty profitable so far. So yeah, I would say the apartments alone pay for our debt and profit. So the yes, commercial good. in addition is even the two commercial spaces is just additional profit on top of all that. And commercial is easy. They have multi-year leases once you get them in. And there's problems every now and then, but it's definitely a lot less handholding than the apartment side of tenants and turning them out every 12 months or just, it's definitely different. Yeah. And it's an asset to you that you know how to take down and manage commercial properties as well as apartments, right? Yes. So you're not bypassing mixed use buildings. You're not bypassing strip malls or warehouses. Anything can be considered a deal if you have the knowledge, right? So if you find that. a good deal, you did yourself a favor by having this experience and education. Yep. So when someone's looking for a deal, if they're in just mobile home parks, and that asset class becomes very competitive, they're kind of stuck. But you can look at almost any piece of property and determine if it's a deal that's good for you. Exactly. So, and I'm yeah, very opportunistic as an investor. I will say I stick to multifamily 90%. I target multifamily as my main asset class. But if I come across a deal that's either in a really good location that I like, or it happens to come across my desk, and it's just a really good opportunity. I'll buy an industrial building, I'll buy another warehouse, I'll buy commercial building, maybe office. I'm a little skittish on office. I just don't know it well enough. But yeah, I'm opportunistic, man. I mean, you can make money in any asset class in real estate. Yeah. Here's my advice to you on office. Suburban office in a walkable downtown suburb on fire. You'll have yeah. a waiting list. If you can find office building or even industrial space that can be repurposed to office, co-working spaces, sure. set up co-working, right? Very yeah. profitable. And then with the big, big class A office buildings, if you can buy them for 30 cents on the dollar, you can then afford to rent it out at 30% of the market rate. You'll put your competition out of business. Wow. So if somebody's leasing a building for $18 a square foot, and that's kind of the market rate right now, but if you're able to lease it at six, seven, eight dollars a square foot, yeah. everybody's coming to you. Correct. You'll have the one building that's full amongst the sea of empty properties, right? Yeah, I love that. So don't discount office. Listen, you're on the right path. Look at every yeah. piece of real estate. Just don't make, discount just, You make money when you buy, right? So as long as you buy it right, you can make money on anything. I'm a believer. Yeah, and if you look at the office occupancy chart, during 2020's COVID crash, it went straight down, but it's been on a steady rise back up. Now, granted, it's not a steep line. It's going to take years to get back to any yeah. normal level, but I don't think it's going to get any worse. So Agreed. be brave. You've already taken a lot of big leaps. Don't be afraid of office. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Listen, our conversation went down a lot of different rabbit holes. I want to be respectful of your time. If you would, tell the best ever listeners a little bit more about the software that you're working on. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Real Estate Lab is a software company. It's my baby. It's essentially been in the works for seven years now, but really we just started it about two years ago. But it all started when I built a spreadsheet 
starting back seven years ago. And I think in 2019, I started selling this spreadsheet online for 250 bucks a pop. And I made like $150,000 selling the spreadsheet word of mouth in a year and a half. And so I started thinking, okay, I think that not only is a spreadsheet great, but software can do way more than a spreadsheet can. And we could kind of integrate the two and give more functionality and really create an all-encompassing system to help people acquire more properties. So we started Real Estate Lab. You can manage your entire pipeline of deals, all the properties that you own, store all the documents related to those properties. You can have your entire team of access to the system. You can underwrite deals. You can upload rent rolls, T12s parse them, it'll pull the data out, it'll put it right into your model or our model. And then we have a bunch of different tools on here from tracking your construction costs to exit valuations and exit models, tracking your investors, all that kind of stuff you can do right all within our platform. So realestatelab.com, we launched it to the public earlier this year. We we're in beta last year, early 2023, I think March or April. And we've got a couple hundred users on the platform now and we're growing very quickly, which has been really cool. David, before we let you go, let's get through the best ever lightning round. Are you ready? Let's do it. Awesome. What's the best ever book you recently read? I always say never split the difference. I love negotiating. Yeah. David, what's the best ever way you like to give back? I like helping people back in my hometown, back in Detroit. So, you know, anytime I can give back, I do a lot of work with kids that are wards of state and orphans. David, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Instagram at Real Estate Jedi or hit us up at www.realestatelab.com. Awesome. David, again, thank you for your time today. We talked about a lot of different things. Sorry that this, the conversation was all over the place, but this was valuable. Hopefully some of this advice will help you and the best ever listeners as well. But I admire your approach to real estate and being asset agnostic. I appreciate that, Ash. Thank you so much for having me on. This was fun. Our pleasure. Best ever listeners, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day. Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content? Well, if so... Join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.